0: Soil Voice Studios presents The Outside World, Part 7, The Mountain Before the desk could make its move, Madeline had rushed Harlan into the chariot that had brought them to the now late and always fake Arthur Lemire's house. She had entered a new address and they were headed west. I don't mean to doubt you, but if everyone's gunning for us now, won't they figure out where the chariot's going and track us?
1: Of course they will. What? Jump. What? Jump. Now.
0: Madeline flung herself off the chariot as Harlan begrudgingly followed suit. The pair regrouped on the quiet street.
1: That chariot's headed to the house Safi and I came in, in NDG. I don't want to be anywhere near it when it arrives. And where
0: are we going?
1: Back to Madame Connie's.
0: That's in the other direction. How are we supposed to get there without a chariot? We walk. And walk they did. Through Upper Westmount, then back onto the paths of the mountain. Meanwhile, Commander Swain was hatching a plan of her own. Commander, we have determined the destination of their chariot. Let me guess. Marriott Street in NDG. Um, yeah. Exactly. Uh, how do you- It's where she grew up. You won't find them there. Send one small squad just to be sure, but I know she's not going to make it that easy. Get their names and images out to all agents. Tell them they assassinated a retired desk director and should be considered extremely dangerous. Keep the kill order just to your team, for now. Should we alert the public as well? Not yet. I have a better idea. And just like that, a message went out to all the agents of the plan, from their leader, Frank. Attention all agents. This is a priority one communication. Agent Bailey, also known as Agent Madeline, as well as Agent Harlan, have been co-opted by the desk. We have received a recording of the pair conspiring with retired desk director, Arthur Lemire, agreeing to help him disseminate desk propaganda blaming us for the Cortez assassination. A full biography and recent photos are being sent to all of your devices. If you encounter them, report their location immediately. Do not arouse their suspicion. Speak to them, if it is unavoidable, but above all, do not trust what they have to say. They are working against the resistance and for the desk. End transmission. Given the clandestine nature of the plan, some agents would hear Frank's message right away, and some at their next private moment, but all would hear it, including Madeline and Harlan. Madeline was surprised when the pendant on her necklace started glowing, and stunned when she touched it, and Frank's message started playing for both of them to hear. When it ended, Harlan was the first to speak. Well, that's an unfortunate turn of events. But lucky for us that we heard it. I thought we got rid of all the plan devices back at the house. Did you forget about the necklace?
1: No, it was Safia's. I never knew she was part of the plan. I guess it makes sense, though. She may have hung out with the desk agents, but she never seemed to buy into their BS.
0: So uh, maybe we should leave the necklace here?
1: No.
0: Look, I know it has sentimental value, but-
1: Sentiment has nothing to do with it. Frank wouldn't have sent that message if he knew we still had a device, so they're not using it to track us. This puts us a step ahead.
0: Good thing, seeing as we're already about 20 steps back. We've got two warring factions both after us, and we're in some forest in the middle of nowhere.
1: Oh, come on now. Not knowing Montreal is one thing. Not remembering where we were like 90 minutes ago is just totally another. We're in a park in the middle of the city. The same park we just passed through.
0: But it's dark now, and we don't have a chariot.
1: Welcome to the real world. But yeah, we do have a huge problem. Two, actually. Desk is looking for us, and now so is the plan. And if we try to convince our own people that Frank is the traitor... We'll be saying the one thing that he already told them we would say, that the plan killed Cortez. Brilliant, if you think about it.
0: So, Madam Connie isn't an agent of either organization. Are we still going to see her?
1: She might not be an agent, but you better believe her place is crawling with them. We can go see her, but we need to be extremely careful, and we can't go there now. We'll have to wait until the morning.
0: Wait where until the morning? Here. On this path?
1: Always so literal. No, here on the mountain. We'll find a spot off the path, near the trees, hidden from patrols.
0: Oh. Wait, thank you, Pat. We need to find someone who lives here.
1: What are you talking about? No one actually lives here.
0: You'd think so. At least I did until, well, well, I guess until earlier this evening. Turns out that was a lie, too. You could say the biggest lie of all. Let's go! For the first time ever, Maduin followed Harwin, who also, for the first time, seemed to know what he was doing. They arrived at an encampment hidden by rocks and trees. One person was asleep in a makeshift tent, and the other turned to face them. What do you want? Uh, yeah, uh, the wine uh uh, 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 we're here for the drum circle. What? I'm Jack, and is Sophie. So you know what to say, but seem kind of uneasy saying it. You look like a couple of people who just found out we exist. I did earlier tonight. She's just learning. Yes. We got a small space here, but the rest of this part of the mountain is wide open. Where's your stuff to set up camp? Uh, We're kind of in an unexpected situation. We're not moving in or anything.
1: We just need to stay out of sight until the morning.
0: Two few hours away, pull up a rock. Me case you case, as they say. Madeline and Harlan had both entered the campsite, hoping to find a few hours of sleep. But it soon became apparent that rest would have to wait. Harlan told of his encounter with Pat. And then both he and Madeline recounted what had led them to where they were. Jack took it all in and stopped himself... More than once from exclaiming, of course, things weren't that way. Instead of letting the conversation continue, eventually, it was time for Jack to tell his story. No, of course I didn't always live here. I used to visit the mountain quite a bit and always enjoyed it. I even camped here a couple of times before I had to.
1: So you lived in a house?
0: A few apartments, then a condo. Right near here in my land.
1: Fancy. What do you do? Uh,
0: my company was a startup uh, that rose quickly. We did emotional and memory upgrades for androids. I mean the synthetic beings, not the phones. <laughs> what phones? A little before your time. Yeah. So yeah, I didn't have to leave that life. I could play ball with all the bullshit going on and stay. But it was just wrong.
1: You mean play along with the desk?
0: We worked with the desk, and your precious resistance the plan too. Nothing wrong with the organizations. It's the people who ended up running both that caused this BS. I knew I couldn't get away from it at home or in the box. Only in the real world, where I've lived for the past, oh wow, must be 20 years now. You'd be smart to do the same. They'll never find you living here.
1: Thanks for the offer, but we've got to finish what we started.
0: You've got to change the world. Do it yourself, but I suspect you'll be back here soon. That is, if you don't get yourselves killed. With that... Harlan and Madeline realized the sun had come up, and it was time they continued their mission. Real-world Montreal in the morning was bustling with the sounds of people going to their RW jobs and chariots heading to pick up early bird tourists. Madame Connie's in the morning was quiet. Still, Madeline was cautious.
1: We can't make eye contact with anyone, got it? Sure, the customers are probably all regs, so not looking for us, and so are the day staff, but who knows who they talk to? We have to make it to the back without being noticed.
0: While she wasn't expecting a packed house, Madeline was surprised that the front room was completely empty except for one person, and stunned when she realized who that person was. Hello, sweetie. I have been expecting you. The Outside World is a radio drama produced by Silo Voice Studios in Montreal, Quebec, Canada. Featuring the voice talents of Jason C. McLean, Don McSweeney, and Leandra Pinto. Featuring original music by Patrick Gardner and Ronnie Mizrahi. Radio play written by Jason C. McLean from a story by Jason C. McLean, Don McSweeney, and Leandra Pinto. Recorded by Patrick Gardner, edited by Jerry Gabriel. Music is owned by the respective creators and sound effects are licensed under Creative Commons. Story and production, copyright 2022, Silo Voice Studios. Follow us at Silo Voice Studios on Facebook and at Silo Voice on Twitter. Support us at patreon.com slash Voice for exclusive content, merch, and more. Listen to us wherever you get your podcasts or at Silovoice.com. Join us for Part 8 Programming Error.